Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. So, welcome to the show. I'm sitting down here with uh, my co-host, Martin McKay, and our wonderful guest, Rebecca Taylor, Threat Intelligence Knowledge Manager over at SecureWorks. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Now, we didn't get to talk to you at the conference, um, at least on the podcast, so I really apologize for that. But we're a couple of weeks out now. Everyone's kind of recovered from you know, the, con- the con flu and everything that went on. H- how was your overall conference experience? Did you enjoy it? It was amazing. It's been a long time since I've been able to actually go to an event in the flesh. Um, so it was nice to actually meet new people and be a part of that community, but also being given such a, an amazing platform to do my first ever public presentation um, was a very special moment for me. Wow, that was your first time ever. I, I'm, uh, I thought you were a much more accomplished presenter than that. No, definitely a newbie. It took a lot of rehearsing. Um, but I'm really proud of what I accomplished. I, I think first is a, is a really great place to give that kind of talk, right? Even if it's your first talk, because a lot of people in the room, they're suffering from the same kind of problems and challenges and they want that information. They really, really want the information. So it's, it's a good place to get the good feedback and honest feedback. Definitely. The community there were fantastic and I did get some really helpful and really lovely feedback. So yeah, I feel very lucky to have been able to participate. So while we're talking about the the conference and the presentation, can you give uh, people who didn't manage to see uh, the presentation just a quick TLDR? What, what were you covering at the conference? So the title of my presentation was Knowledge Management, Nourishing and Enhancing Your Intelligence and Communication. Um, so I started off at a high level talking about knowledge management, how it's constructed, about different types of frameworks you can leverage. Um, what a knowledge base looks like, all these kinds of things, and then went into some real-life examples of how I have taken that and implemented that from an instant response perspective. Now, I can imagine that most companies look at knowledge management and they think, oh, there's a piece of software that just does that for us, right? I mean, you just install a, a wiki software and then you're done. Is it more complicated than that? I'm guessing the answer is yes. I'd hope so. (laughs) Um, So you can obviously have lovely solutions that can complement and support knowledge management. But for me, and I think for instant response in particular, it has to have that human touch and that human focus. You've got to have people bought into the concept of knowledge, knowledge sharing, knowledge management to get it working and to make sure that you've got the best templates, the best deliverables, the best constructs possible. So it is about human touch, which is obviously where I fit in. As you mentioned, it's all about processes, buy-in, getting people interested in it, getting people excited about it even. Definitely. And it's about continuous improvement. You can implement knowledge, but it's constantly evolving. It's You're constantly learning new things. People are identifying new gaps, new needs. And so knowledge management is that evolving process that does need that human touch. Well, I think you, you hit on a, another part of that, which is knowledge is curated by people like you that is, is something that has been gone through it's not just that stream of data or that stream of alerts it's it requires someone like you to actually go in and say 
these are the parts that are important and more even better these are the parts that are important to you yeah when you're establishing knowledge management and identifying that knowledge is very much about identifying what's important to you to your organization that's going to make it successful so then making sure it is curated in the right way that it can be translated and maybe used in other parts of your organization or by other people is important in sowing that seed that knowledge is important and the process is important and therefore a reason so how can companies avoid um, falling into this trap of just like, well, there's, it's a knowledge management system. We'll just put everything in there, right? At which point the, the created curated part kind of disappears, right? And you just end up with a, a huge dump of every single file, every single comment, every command line that might possibly be helpful in five years' time, you know, which is impossible to, to use in a reliable fashion. Yeah, so... There's an element of that that touches on master data management, and that is about having that single source of truth. And that can be where those kind of data dump type concepts can happen because you're collecting everyone. It's the source of truth. And then you're going to filter out and make it applicable to different teams or different tools or whatever your organization uses. I think organizations can fall into the habit of let's all whack it into Confluence or let's all put it in an Excel because we're really old school or whatever <laughs> method it is. Um, but whilst it can help in the short time, and maybe that is a way if you haven't got any form of knowledge management to start showing the need and start showing to leadership that actually there is stuff we need to collect. We need a better idea. But for the long term, that is where you can fall short. And that is where if you don't, pick the right tools, the right processes and procedures, have the right people bought in and supporting that knowledge creation and evolution, that's where you can fall down um, and people lose interest in in supporting knowledge management processes and creation. I, I think you hit on a really good point there, which is evolution, um, because that's one of the things I see as being a major problem for many companies is they hit a bare minimum and they stop there. They don't yeah. evolve. And how, that's, I think, I think that was part of your talk is that that is on the responders, that is on the knowledge managers to make make it clear that that needs to be part of the whole process. Definitely. That's where, for me at least, particularly in instant response and now in my new role with our counter threat unit, we do have a feedback loop. People have an opportunity in a forum to call out what they need, what they've created, what gaps there are. But that's also where, for me, I believe that reward and recognition is super important. So if you have got people that are taking time to document their knowledge or are creating new materials or are just taking that time and that effort to support you, you should be recognizing them for that effort because then they'll be bought in to keep going and to keep supporting that knowledge management creation. How do knowledge management platforms and these kind of processes fit with incident response, with things like traffic light protocol, there's this desire to be siloing sensitive data and not having it open and available, whereas the, the idea of knowledge management is really to have that data available. They seem like they're at opposite ends of the, the, the chain there. So in my presentation at first, I spoke about different frameworks that can be used. And depending on what you're storing, what you're keeping, any privacy rules or things you need to be aware of, that can affect the, the framework and the knowledge management tools you use. Now, 
at SecureWorks, there's certain pieces of information we want to be available to, to larger groups. Um, if I think about the fact that in some cases we use SharePoint and then there, there's all HR processes and procedures. Um, we've got a similar thing for IR where how to deliver maybe a tabletop is available in a formatted way so that the organization can read and learn and see um, how they do that. But then if I delve into threat intelligence specifically so yes we definitely don't want that widely available we don't want everyone to be able to go in and have a mooch and pull out things and send <laughs> things to people um, so that's where you can implement access controls that's where i think it feeds into making sure that your organization itself is set up in the right way so you know who does what role you know who should see what um, and then you can put different access controls in place and um, to protect that so at the conference, I spoke about how we have a really great relationship with Ripjar and they've created and support a platform for us where we're able to do those access controls, make sure the right people can see the right things, um, that they can add to the right things and not take stuff away, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it really depends on that initial starting point of framework um, and what tool you use to identify how you're going to implement those access control requirements. And the, the incident response doesn't stop with just the team in security. You're also talking about something that you need to know that who's the legal person you're going to be working with? Who's the, yeah. the PR person you're going to be working with? What do you do next? Yeah, so that again is where it can often, a good knowledge management system can almost have um, like a spider web so it reaches out to other parts of the organization they're able to search back as well those other teams and see where they fit in where they connect the dots um, so it really depends on how you set it up what your priorities are as an organization who you work with who you want to see it as to how you build it out and make it accessible I can see the goals here of having this knowledge management platform. It makes a lot of sense to me. Having all that data available to hand to use in the heat of an incident, right? You know, if you're yeah. busy in an incident, the last thing you want is to be like, oh, well, let's just put this into a like a spreadsheet somewhere and try and share this around to everyone, right? You want that platform to be available. During an incident, how, how do you then use that knowledge platform to make sure everyone's in the loop, right? To make sure everyone who's dealing with those incidents has access to all that right data and it makes it easier then to handle the incident. So for me, my role has been both proactive and reactive. So proactively, I have been creating what we call the major incident response plan. It's got pre-built templates, it's got pre-built materials to support and that have been approved and designed in advance of sort of that heat of the fire, that reactive emergency incident. During an emergency incident, that's where I leverage uh, work streams. That's where I focus on data capture. And that's really what feeds into making sure that knowledge management is working. So by having work streams, for example, those that are within those work streams already know their roles and responsibilities. They already know the templates that they're supposed to be populating, the expectation of those templates. They know the indicators that are relevant to us. Um, from a data capture perspective, we know that we're capturing things in the right ways that other tools can ingest it, that maybe members of the counter threat unit are able to understand it, access it. So proactive and reactive knowledge management all interlink and work together and help everyone to be able to deliver in that heat of a, an emergency incident. It's, it's interesting because a lot of what you've said is, is the sort of lessons that can only be learned by experience. I mean, somebody who is coming into this, 
will have an idea. Um, I think all of us have been involved in incident response at various levels. Um, and But it's important to know that, again, evolution is, of that process is going to be key, especially when you're working with people outside of security who may have no idea what the, the message you're trying to tell them actually is. Yeah. And I think that interlinks with one of the big messages that came out of my presentation is that it's about making small changes. It's about capturing what's important to you, to your organization, to your cyber efforts, and then gaining that momentum um, as you progress. So in the beginning, there may be only a handful of documents or a handful of processes, a handful of indicators that are important. But actually, as you learn, as you deliver more incident response engagements, as you identify what is important or maybe changes or evolutions, then you can continue to build out on the knowledge that you capture and on the processes and procedures that you have. One of the things that I, I know that you, you had on your presentation was you focused around communication in an incident and, and how knowledge management can help to ease that burden of communication between all the stakeholders. One of the things that was interesting there is you listed customers, insurers, and even regulators as part of that mm -hmm. communication. You know, does that all come from the knowledge management platform or is this all just informed from the, from the data you have in knowledge management? So I'd say it's been quite a collaborative effort. Um, with instant responses, I think probably a lot of instant response organizations are seeing um, having insurers involved, having to think about regulators, law enforcement is becoming more and more prevalent. Whilst we can learn as we're delivering IR engagements as to what maybe different insurers are looking for, there is then an internal collaboration that needs to happen where you check, for example, with your own legal team that what you are providing is okay and that as for example, SecureWorks is happy what we're giving is what we should be giving. Um, so there is a collaboration that needs to happen, but you can learn as you go on. You can work proactively to understand maybe what regulators want, what notifications are required, um, even what reporting formats they need. Uh, so this can all be done in advance. And then when you're delivering that IR engagement, it speeds up your ability to respond and to meet all those different stakeholders' needs. It's interesting you bring up the insurance angle of this because that's something that 20 years ago, everybody's like, oh, it's just a scam. But then <laughs> five or six years ago, it started becoming really important. And now it's getting much harder to get insurance, uh, any type of cyber insurance, um, because it's happening and, and they just don't want to have to pay for it. I mean, I'm not personally too familiar with the whole um, cyber insurance policy side of things, but we do obviously have customers that come through to us that do have cyber insurance. And so we are having to get more comfortable in supporting those organizations and their cyber insurers needs. I mean, this does raise that question of is like the cyber insurers out there, we're talking, you're talking about regulators as well. You know, with a knowledge management platform, it lends itself to coming up with a standardized way of communicating with insurance, you know, with what that format might look like, or a standardized way of, of reporting things to, to various regulatory bodies, right? Um, is that the next step of a, of a knowledge management system is, let's put a plug in here that details how we would talk to the top 100 insurers? I think with knowledge management, in the very beginning, it needs to focus, have an internal focus, so focus on the teams that are using it, the people that need to utilize it. And then with time, you can start to think about stakeholders and how you're going to be supporting and meeting their needs. So if we do think from a cyber insurance perspective, we know we have to be prepared. 
we know they have their own needs requirements so now we are in a position where we can start catering to those we can in advance say okay they need this type of report on a weekly basis here you are mr instant commander or instant responder here is the process for creating that this is who you need to talk to this is the template of what that particular insurer requires so again it can all be done proactively but it's about having those relationships to understand what they need but you do have to focus on your internal stakeholders first so Rebecca, let's let's talk about where the the rubber hits the road. If you ha if you were talking to someone who's coming into an organization, a, an inter a small enterprise that has a security team, but has never really had a, a a concentrated incident response program, what where would you tell them to start? What would you say is the thing that they need to gather the knowledge and and curate it? I'd say the best place to start is with getting people together to discuss the knowledge that they have. A lot of people know a lot of things and a lot of incident responders have been working within that field for a long time. And so you need to give them a space to be able to share what they're keeping in their head, maybe what they've got on their desktop, what they're using at the moment. From there, you can then understand the gaps, maybe what your focuses need to be, maybe what you need to create and what kind of safe knowledge management base you need to be able to hold those kinds of pieces of information um, but it is very much in the initial stages having that human focus understanding what the people have and what they need to be successful so rebecca this is a big topic we could talk about this for, for a long while and i'm sure there's a number of different areas i'd love to talk about tabletop exercises and how that feeds into the knowledge management but um what haven't we talked about that we really should make sure the listeners uh you know, hear us discuss I suppose the big thing that I just want to stress is how it's not about buying a really expensive snazzy tool. Knowledge management isn't about buying the biggest, shiniest, sparkliest system that you possibly can. But we've got it, budget for the little LED lights, the flashy <laughs> lights and, and the ping pong map. That's, is, is that not it? Pew, pew not, map. <laughs> pew, I mean, it's lovely in time, right? But in the beginning it is very much about collaboration and also having that organizational buy-in it's all well and good if you have these dreams these visions these hopes for knowledge management but if the leadership isn't bought in it means the team and the individuals aren't going to be bought in so making sure you have support that there is a vision that there is a plan that people understand what you're collecting and why is what's going to lead to your knowledge management process, to your base, whatever it is being successful. So Chris and I have been talking to Rebecca Taylor, who is the Threat Intelligence Knowledge Manager at SecureWorks. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions podcast and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T D O T O R G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.